Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hurst with Faster Skier. We are psyched to bring you this week's edition of the podcast after a pretty solid weekend of racing in Lillehammer. Devin was on scene uh, doing some waxing for the Canadian team. Um, we're going to get straight to it after a quick message from our sponsor. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Mount Bachelor Nordic Center. Located outside beautiful Bend, Oregon, the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center has 56 kilometers of daily groomed Nordic trails. With a season that typically runs late November until the end of May, Mount Bachelor has one of the longest Nordic seasons in North America. The Nordic Center hosts a full rental fleet, various instructional classes for all ages and abilities, an on-site retail store, and the cozy Nordic Cafe. So be sure to check out this winter wonderland this season. To learn more about tickets, passes, and resort amenities, go to mtbachelor.com. So you're, you're a doctor in training. You're like messing around with cadavers, oh. but you get an email or a call from uh, Canmore, <laughs> and they're like, yo, Kershaw, we need, we need you. Uh, we got a test fleet. Let's go. What's that, what's that look like? Yeah, well, it's it's actually kind of funny. Like, we need you is a bit of like, the, I mean, it's a podcast because you can't see me doing like the air quotes. Like, they don't need me at all. I mean, like, I'm a I'm a two bit hack, but I have tested a lot of skis in my day, both as an active athlete and then, like I said, like doing some work with the Norwegian team before. And I've actually been to World Juniors, uh, helping out the Canadians a couple times too, doing doing kind of that kind of stuff. So it was really great to hear from them and that they they asked for help even though they don't need it. Um, so that was cool. And like, how does that work with school? Yeah. I'm not going to lie. If you have like any sort of, I think I joked around about this with Sadie and you last week, but I mean, I did, I did take a little bit of a personal day on Friday from my courses thinking like, Oh yeah, I'll catch up in the evening. It's like, uh, you know what? If like, if you want to ask me specifically about every single step of DNA synthesis right now, you know, that's tomorrow Devin's problem. I should have been a bit more up to date. I thought I had the concepts down a little bit before I took Friday off, like took a mulligan. Um, but uh, turns out I don't really. So during the Christmas break, I will try and read up on DNA synthesis. As long, uh, as, long as you're not practicing so, medicine in the U.S., it's not my problem. So um. yeah, well, exactly. Don't hurt yourself over here. But I've told everybody I know, like in seven years, you just don't hurt yourself here. Or if you do, you don't see me. Don't wherever I'm working, stay far, far away from there. Because you, especially as a resident, you know, you're getting all the shitty shifts. So uh, yeah, don't hurt yourself when i'm done i'll i'll hook my andy newell backflips on in, on the trails in trondheim not in uh shushone or yeah exactly yeah and I, that's that's great you mentioned that because i will never hopefully cross knock on wood for all the people that live in trondelag and that listen that's all fine and good but like i ain't living in trondelag baby the weather's too the weather's too bad man it's it's too the weather i can't deal with it norwegian weather sucks in general but in trondelag no so you, so you live, I'm guessing five, 10, 15 minutes from trails and you just head up there and it's, I mean, talk to us a little bit about like, so it, it also was snowmaking, like limited, limited. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, we can break that down too. Cause people that are people that got a chance, like have the VPNs working and we're watching the races. They're probably like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What the hell's going on here? Like, I don't know this course. This isn't the normal Lillehammer course. I know it wasn't because the problem was actually that we had a really warm autumn and it looked all nice and wintry like it really did. But that's just that's not real life. It's actually not that much snow and the snow that is on the ground is probably 20 centimeters. It's super dry, light, fluffy snow that you could like you fart and it's gone. Like, I mean, like it's it's like champagne powder on frozen ground. So 
they had to make a call 10 days out. Can we get the 3.75 K down on the world cup course? They couldn't, they have safe snow here in, in Lillehammer, like the world's well, not the world's biggest. Cause if you've been to Vokity and you see them, they're, they're safe snow. Camor does like a frozen thunder where they do uh, snow farming as well. Essentially it's dead easy. You just blow like an ass ton of snow and then you cover it in sawdust, take the sawdust off, get some backhoes in there and some dump trucks and then drive it around a course. And that's what they did here actually, which was turned out to be great. Um, they didn't have enough to do the full 3.75 K on the world cup course, the normal little Hummer world cup course. So they had some meetings with fist. They didn't quite have the, 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 you need to have like a hundred meters of elevation difference on a course for it to be legal. Little Hummer, this course didn't have that. It only had 90, but it got a dispensation. Um, which was great. I mean, what's 10 meters? Look at Quebec too. I mean, if, if people that have been following this board for a while, the Quebec city course, that cool course in the plains of Abraham and Quebec, that it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the elevation either. And it's still a great course and makes for fun racing. But so anyway, so they did that. They used the safe snow to put a base down uh, and it would have been totally fine. They didn't need any more snow. Cause like I said, they have just so much snow in this snow farming operation. Luckily, it got cold. It was like minus 10 since that meeting when they were like, we don't know if we can do this. It got minus 10 for all the days. They were blowing a ton of snow and you saw the pictures. Then some snow came. It snowed about 10 more centimeters on top of that. Looks super nice and wintry. And we had a very different course than we're used to in Little Hummer, quite a bit easier. But with this fresh snow that fell over that kind of humid artificial snow made for actually like pretty, pretty slow going conditions. So like this flat course, it's like kind of easy and there's some grumbling like, well, this is like, this is too easy. It actually turned out to be quite a bit harder because on a lot of those gimme sections, you ended up having to work quite a bit. Um, and I think we saw that we can get into that as it went. So, and yeah, where do I live? I live a mile from the, from the race site. So it's, uh, it turns, it turns out great. Like, I mean, I'm one mile away, so did no it, big deal. Did the fresh snow make for hectic waxing? Ah, uh, you know what? I thought it might've, but it was minus 10, right? So quite frankly, like the stability. And then Lillehammer is kind of a funny place in Norway because a lot of, a lot of Norway is like really humid. Cause you're never that far from the coast. Just pull up a map, see that giant Atlantic ocean, see how far you like, see how wide the country is. It's not wide. Uh, but Lillehammer is kind of like an interesting climate. It's super dry and it's, um, very low humidity actually. So it, it, the, the waxing was super straightforward, uh, for us for us here, although we can get into that as well. Cause the Russians were complaining that they had some tough skis in the, in the men's 15 K. Nice. Um, yeah, well, should we get into it? Start with a sprint. Yeah, let's get into it. I, I think we should get into it. Cause you know what? God, America, right? Like you guys got to be getting bored of being such bosses and sprints. Um, what a, what an amazing start to the world cup weekend. It was awesome. I'm uh I, I moved. I'm not in the my living room with my American flag, but I you know I basically would be uh, wearing it. So. Yeah, nice. yeah, I mean, how many nice. how many Americans? I'm just looking here. How many Americans qualified? I mean, um, we had JC, Kevin Bolger, Ben Ogden. Man, Luke Jager was like how far he was he was less than a second out in 33rd, and then women we had one, two, three, four. So we're talking like seven athletes in the heats out of 60. So we're like a, we're a skiing powerhouse basically. Absolutely. And on the heels of some great races in, in, um, with some great races in Ruka, but, but like we can start with the men today. Cause I mean, the big highlight, I know we're going to get to it. We all love digs. She kicked ass. Everyone knows, uh, we'll get there. 
but um like you said some great racing from from the americans all around and i mean putting two guys jc again like this kid 21 years old like from cali moves from cali all the way to alaska why would he do that i mean you live in alaska so you know why but i'm just kidding uh he's been so impressive you know he's going to school at the same time makes the semifinal again he's a great quarterfinal you know gets i don't want to like give him i mean they're seniors so they got to take it a little bit but like gets pushed around a little bit you know what i mean in his in his semifinal but the fact of the matter is that he's been now in back-to-back semis uh one in classic one in skate 21 years old i thought he was skiing great and kevin too kevin like awesome to see kevin back in the semifinals uh two guys in the top 12 yeah they were 11th and 12th when the day ended but who cares i mean these this is not 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 they were like i'm going like oh they were just 11 and 12 like 11th and 12th these are great results early in the season these are fantastic results in norway because people that aren't following the sport all that closely might not know that norway on a normal sprint anywhere else in the world gets six starts norway gets 16 starts when it's in when it's in the home country because they have a national group and as we will get into with the men as we move forward to see who won and came second the guy who came second those that aren't norwegians probably never heard his name before um but a 23 year old that what came out of the national group qualified 30th so barely got in and skied just three beautiful rounds and ended up second so it's a tough place to compete to have two guys in the top 30 is just uh man what some just wonderful performances and benny man like he you know good for him to get in there we'll get we'll get to that but ben ogden you know like he had a tough weekend all around and he comes away with, with one point, which might not sound like much, but again, these guys are young, they're hungry, they're stoked. It's great energy in the men's program for the U S and uh, they came away with a great weekend. I think a great sprint. It's, I think it's awesome. I mean, just like watching, watching those heats and like, I mean, I feel like you, you know, the, our, our old standards as American, you know, ski viewers, I, I hate to say fans as an objective journalist, but um whatever um you know you're like you you get like there's like one american guy in the rounds or two american guys in the rounds you're like sweet they made it into the rounds and usually it's like you know they they get dropped on on the last you know climb in the in the in the in the first round and it's like these dudes like bolger and and jc like they're they're not it's not like they're squeaking into the semifinals like they're like at the sharp end of the racing and then even the, in even in the semis like both of them I, I mean they you know they were they I don't even want to say they faded I mean they were in the mix like into the home stretch and like didn't have like you know the very very top gear to like you know beat whoever it was to the line but like still like they're in there pretty impressive um performances i was gonna say i was gonna say one more thing um but yeah i mean just like this early in the season oh what i was gonna say was you were like you were saying uh you know 11th 12th it's nothing to be disappointed about i can guarantee you those guys um i think top eight in that sprint was automatic uh olympic uh, olympic qualifications so i you know i can imagine those guys being that close in the semis seeing eighth place right up there that's got to be a little bit tough but also you know i mean they're making the case with those results either way so yeah no exactly and, and that, that is always the thing and that always that's the tough thing with with um well i thought i think it's ridiculous but i mean uh canada and the u.s like there's appeals going on all the time like lawyers get involved to get on teams like it's such 
horse shit. I can't, I cannot believe it. That's just, that's the world we live in. And, um, for sure. And I feel bad for those guys to have, have these like hard, hard criteria. Like, give me a break. If you, if you have the qualification net today, the 21, who, if you don't take JC to the Olympics, you're an idiot. And, and the fact that they have that hanging over their heads, I understand that you have to have criteria in the U S and in Canada. I understand that. But um, I think it's really too bad. And I think it's a hindrance. And I, I, what sucks, especially young athletes that haven't had, like they haven't been to the Olympics three times. They haven't been to five world championships. It's a huge deal to go to the Olympics from Canada or the US. Uh, it's super hyped and you really want it. But man, they just don't need that kind of pressure. They don't need to be thinking about that kind of stuff, especially when they're in such good shape and really just like do your thing. But for sure, they are thinking about that. And that's just their cross to bear. But the fact of the matter is they can take a lot of confidence coming to Davos and then Dresden's going to be a gimme, man. Like, I mean, I don't know if those results count. I haven't read closely the American criteria this time around, but like Dresden's a city sprint. The U S always does well. It's, it's a, it's a sideshow. It's like completely irrelevant for the Olympics, but it's, it's a fun little event. Um, and it's usually the Americans have had good success there before we get into the meat and potatoes of the men's race, tough day for the Canadians, really disappointing. They had a great, you know, they weren't that, they weren't that stellar in the sprint in Ruka either, but, but here, uh, really disappointed. And I think a couple guys, like I got to give a shout out to Rossi because like, so the, the sprint course in Little Homer, uh, on this course was a two lapper. And essentially it was like, we have a huge stadium, people that watch the race, you, you can see it and people that haven't, I can just try and spell it out a little bit for you guys. So you have this huge flat stadium, like a bathlon range, essentially. So it's a couple hundred meters and the start is about halfway into that. And you just kind of go hundred meters out, not even, and then tuck into a downhill with a corner, a, a big sweeping right-hander. And then it's kind of like a gradual uphill with a little, tiny little pitch uh, to get back into that stadium. And then it's 200 meter drag of like false flat, maybe about like three, 4% grade up and then uh, around a horseshoe and then into this, into finishing straight. So two laps, pretty tough, pretty tough little course too. And I think that was also really awesome for the, for the Americans to, to solve it well in the qualification. Cause we had a couple of guys that just did not solve it well in the qualification. Russell went out for a comfort cruise in his first lap. And he was like, I'm like, dude, this isn't a 10 K what are you doing? <laughs> and then on his second lap, he actually looked really good and he was moving well. Um, but you can't do that. You can't do that on a course like that. And he got, and he paid the price. We had Graham Ritchie who's been a great sprinter for us. Young guy out of Perry sound. Uh, and he kind of solved it a little differently, like almost like the opposite, like too choppy, too stressed, going out too hot, but just like energy going all over the place. And then on his second lap, the opposite that happened to Russ happened to, to Rich and he just like, I mean, he had nothing left and it, it uh, you get, you get smacked with that kind of mistake. And, uh, people that did solve it well though, Clabo, Johannes is back. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of noise with like, you know, this whole week's going to be kind of tough from him at, I want to talk to you about that. Who's like worked in the media and stuff. So via play, which is a for-profit media conglomerate. Well, I mean, can you call it media conglomerates? And it's, it's not, it's not exactly like Fox here, but, but a, a media conglomerate of sorts in Scandinavia or in Norway, uh, they have the rights to the world cup. Uh, as long as they're not in Norway, when the world cups are in Norway, NRK and TV2 share the rights. So this weekend, NRK had it. Home and Colon, TV2 will have that. And then when they're in Switzerland, TV2 has it. And then every other World Cup, uh, it's it's this this company called Viaplay in Norway and in Sweden, I should say. 
And they signed a deal. The Norwegian Ski Federation signed a deal with this media company and the best skier in the world, well, best sprinter in the world, because Bolshinov makes a case to be the best skier in the world. But Johannes uh, Klebo, he's like, no, man, I'm, this is bullshit. I'm not into this. I, I think this is this is wrong that we're sponsored by like the company that puts these races on TV to the Norwegian public. There's a huge stink back and forth. He might not race. He said, like, maybe I won't start. I'm not going with the logo, blah, blah, blah. In the end, like he went with he went with the logo. And there was some question marks about how is how much energy he used. I don't know, man. He looked pretty good to me. <laughs> you look like you look good. Uh, so <laughs> so I, didn't look- I read I was reading about this. Um, you know, I read about this. And, and, and basically, I mean, the idea um, the idea here was because the Norwegian Ski Federation is a sponsor of via uh, or, or other way around, Via Sport is yeah. a is a sponsor of the Ski Federation, and so so Clybo doesn't want to submit to like interviews and promote their shit because he feels like he has to like put on some I, like I just didn't get it, and I was like, if I don't get it, and I'm a reporter, I'm like, is this really about this, or is it really about some other like kind of like dick measuring between? Clybo and the ski federation that i mean it just yeah it, it could be clear. it could be i mean that happens all the time like look at nortug like back in his day people that have been following the sport for a long time Peter nortug best skier well one of not the best gear ever but like definitely one of the best skiers that ever lived he always like little pissing matches with the ski federation in the end he just laughed and did his own thing um but but this this whole thing like the way i liken it too is like imagine like imagine the new york times sponsored the american team or let's go let's go with espn i feel like they're bigger. yeah okay espn yeah exactly because new york times is like i love new york times but anyway let's say espn sponsors the u.s ski team but nbc is going to show some some of the races on tv and then fox is going to show some races on tv and it's just like i don't know man like i i just think it's a I think it's a, I think it's in poor form, honestly. I think like that it's great that they're, they're competing to, to buy the rights to the world cups and put them on that. I'm totally cool with, but do they also have to be sponsoring the team as well? Like I, I think it's a bit insular, honestly. I mean, and I, I, I guess, but I'm like, why does an athlete give a shit? Like who cares? Yeah. That's I, you a know, point. I, that, 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 that's a good point. And you know what? Like Claybo kind of like a YouTube, YouTube personality and has, but maybe I don't know. Maybe has some deal in the works for in some other channel that we don't know about, or like I have no idea. I'm just sit, but yeah. I, I mean, he, the way he's framing it is he, the way he's framing it is like it's a principle thing, and I understand his principle. If that's all it is, I understand it. Um, but I agree with what you're saying. Like, dude, just focus on the racing. Like, just do your thing. And you know, he did. In fact, he came out and he won. So it was like it was like no question. He won pretty easily. I mean, the young. 23 year old i talked to you about like thomas helen larson that put on a great show for norway in a club suit because he's a national team national group skier throws down from qualifying 30th finishes second like what a hollywood story i mean this 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 is not the ticket to the olympics but this is the ticket to get the shots to make the olympics uh so geez what a what an awesome story a tugboat too like um in fourth in norwegian in fourth Ju i mean juve on the podium that's not a surprise in a skate sprint he's he's punchy and good but uh, Tugbo, he's from Lillehammer, so that's always fun. Like, to be on the podium on your hometown, it would have been great to have Harv on the podcast and just talk about that. I mean, it's fun 
it's fun to fun to win medals in your hometown. Was so, there was there like a full legit? Wasn't medals? He was fourth. Sorry, but still, people sounded like they were pretty uh, stoked on like the crowds. Like, was there there was like a full you know nor, didn't Denori show up or not totally? You know what? Here's the thing. Well, I'm not. You know what? I'm never gonna like toot Little Hummer's horn because quite frankly, between you, me, and the lamppost, like Little Hummer. I don't know, man. Lil Hummer's not my, it's not, I live here. I know I live here, but like, I don't know. Is I'd it, rather not live in Lil is Hummer. It like, is it like the Aspen of Norwegian skiing? Is that no, kind of, no, no. Like what's the, no, what's the metaphor? No, I, it's, you know what? The metaphor is almost like normally there's just not enough snow this year, but normally when the world cup or in world cups are in December, like people from Lil Hummer, they're like, screw this. I'm going to do my own ski. I'm going to go ski myself. Well, it's kind of close to Christmas, so I'm going to go like Christmas. I'm going to do my own ski up in Shushin or something. Then I'm going to go Christmas shopping and like I'll watch the World Cup on TV or I'll just watch it in the sports news. And it always pissed me off because like Lillehammer has this like rich history and, you know, you, you YouTube like the 94 Olympics and it's just like pandemonium in the woods. There's like 100,000 people camping out and it's just like just total bonkers. And then racing here, you're like, where's all the people? Like this is national sport. Like this should be jam packed with people. And uh, usually it sucks with fans this year, a lot better, but a lot tighter stadium. So that was like another like kind of strategic move that just worked out for the organizers in Little Hummer. It looked better on TV, not on Friday, but on Saturday, Sunday, especially Saturday. And the cool thing was the first time ever I've seen this young people like in their early twenties were partying in the woods, fires, drinking, like, speakers like a party like home and colon but like miniature size because it's not it's not a they don't show up like people from oslo show up uh for that and it it's a big difference man cold minus 10 dark in december home and colon sunny march totally different scene but uh, it was cool to see some partying i thought that was cool because like i think that was what makes racing in norway pretty special so it was better than it no, 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 no. So it's not quite home and colon level yet. So they got okay. some work to do. Bummer. Okay. Well, I'm just yeah. uh, really quick. I, I mean, I'm curious. You, you were didn't sound like we're too unimpressed. I mean, and maybe this is about the snow. I mean, I thought that sprint course there just it seemed kind of featureless, and it, I felt like it didn't make for very exciting racing. I'm just, I'm, you know, if if uh, if you're listening and you agree with me, I would love some validation. If you disagree with me, let me know if I'm way off base here. But that was just an observation. I don't know. Maybe we should get onto the women at this point but now we can go to the women but i'll cover I'll, I'll agree with you i mean like anytime we have a two-lap spring course for me honestly we're going to have a two-lap spring course next week in davos and i don't know man i'm with you doesn't tell a great story this one was just kind of like you get out of the stadium you tuck you go up like one hill the girls are just going like crazy right from the first gun just like they always do and the men are just like they're really chilling it's like why do we even have this first lap like we're all just marking each other we're looking it's uh it's it's kind of redundant it's boring a bit i agree i mean like there's no question and but i will say i'm really partial to the the real little hummer world cup courses they're the they're the, some of the hardest on the world cup but the sprint course is truly like a championship course it's beautiful as a fan in the stadium you can see a lot of it you know like right from the stadium. You don't have to be like trekking out into the woods to see stuff. And I think it has a great flow. There's like it crescendos with that last hill and then like tucking into the stadium and this big kind of championship like stadium. 
So I really missed the original Lillehammer spring course, of course. And if you're a fan and you're watching this, the other thing too, that was tough is like, they come out of the stadium, they talk and then like, they're gone. Like, like if you're in the stadium, like you're watching it on the big screens that they have there, but like, you're not, you're not part of the action at all. It's like, they're, 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 they're in the back 40, like, you know, and that, that's, that's never good for sprints. I think modern in a modern time. So I agree with you. Okay. Thanks. I feel, I feel better. So, uh, women's sprint. I mean, we had, uh, also didn't see any Canadians qualify, but we did have, you know, another set of solid results from the American ladies all the way up through the finals. I don't know where you would want to start. Yeah. I'm just going to go right. First of all, she doesn't listen to this podcast. Thank God. Cause like just focus on crushing and winning globes and Olympic gold medals and stuff. But like, we got to say, we got to say what we saw. Solid qualifier from Diggs again. Qualifies eighth. What heat does she pick, kids? She picks heat one. What happened? She's on the podium. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, I had to laugh. Awesome. Uh, it's obviously not because she picked heat one, but it's not not because she picked heat one. Jesse Diggins looks so good all day. She was, man, her wheels at the end in every heat was awesome. The only person she couldn't come back to from the corner and home the last like 150 meters was Maya Dahlquist. Maya Dahlquist is the Swedish athlete, Kevin Boulder's girlfriend too. So there's an American connection there. Um, she can't be stopped in the sprints right now. She terrifies me. She's a killer and she's two for two ski that like a total champ won the qualifier, won the race. Like she's on fire and Diggins just wasn't quite strong enough to get to take her in, in that last 150 meters. Like she was doing a lot in a lot of the heats. But uh, Diggins back on the podium, it's so fun for this. It's so fun for the North American fans, but it's also fun for world skiing. Great podium too, Tyrell, Tyrell in a swing. She comes third, first ever World Cup podium. I know I don't need to be tooting the horns of the Norwegians. They get enough podiums, but still it is fun to have new people on the podium, mixing it up, especially for the sprint side of things. You see too, man, it's like you got to dig to see the Norwegians here. Like, yeah, they had three in the top 10, but their women's side of things it's it's mike in and then it's been no one really so it's cool to have someone else in there and rosie man rosie had a hell of a weekend and fifth in this sprint with this field i thought it was i thought it was something special i i, I thought she was skiing incredibly well in in skate in skate right now she looks great and to be in the final mixing it up with these girls I mean, geez, like, it's like, what can't she do? It's, uh, I'm excited for Davos. I mean, last year she won both of them, both the races. I mean, I'm not going to put my money that she'll do that again this year, but at the same time, another great start to the season, but in the sprint, awesome stuff for Rosie. And like you said too, Julia too, can we talk about Julia Kern? She qualifies seventh, just misses making the semis. This is a real step up from her, which is fun. Like we talked about that a bit in Ruka too, you know? Like she was raunched last year. I'm sorry. And you know what? I, as a senior athlete, you're just going to have to take that. Not, like no one's been raunchier for seasons like me in my career, man. I've had some seasons that are just like hot garbage. You no, know, and it's like, it's COVID. It's she's 23, 24. Like, you know, like yeah. it's going to happen if you're going to have a yeah, full exactly. career, you know, and she's 25 still, you know, it's totally. like there's yeah. plenty of time. Yeah. So I thought it was awesome for her. And yeah. So like you said, like Hannah Halverson too, super fun to see her make the heats. I feel like that story, I mean, I I was kind of looking back at her results. Um, I mean, she, you know, she was in this like horrific car accident in downtown Anchorage. I mean, and she was back racing last year, I think qualified for some heats, but it's just like, 
you know, I feel like we're kind of taken for granted that, you know, I mean, she had like, I think like traumatic brain injury, like memory loss and like serious, serious rehab. And now she's just like back racing on the world cup, you know? Um, and so impressive, man. It's so impressive. Like we, Jason and I talked a bit about it last year, but like, I'm glad you brought that up again. I mean, it is, it is just absolutely fantastic what she's been able to do and an inspiration to people. So, and, and, and I would just also emphasize, I was looking at these, the finals, it's like, um, you know, two Americans, cause we're a, a ski country here. But, um, other than that, one person from Norway, one person from Sweden, uh, sorry, two people from Sweden, uh, and Slovenia. And then you have, uh, Fendrick, uh, from Switzerland, uh, just in seventh. So it's like, I don't know. It's nice to, like you're saying, it's nice to see kind of like, even, even on Norwegian snow, it's not just like eight Norwegians in the top 10. Um, totally. Like it's good for the sport. Totally. And agreed, man. And the thing is, we're going to get to it, but like women skiing, I said it last year and I got some flack from some people, like some of the six fans or whatever would be like a couple of my emails. Like, how come you keep saying it's so exciting for the women? Like Yohug wins by a minute. It's like, you got to look deeper than Yohug winning by a minute. Like there's many nations competing. There's not this like just blanket dominance. There is some storylines. And then this year, like you said, the dominance hasn't been there yet. And it's fun in sprints. It's fun in distance skiing. And the, the narrative arc of these weekends is so much better on the women's side, which is a great segue for the absolute domination. Remember, we're like, what happened in Norway in that 15K classic in Ruka? Like, what, what's going on? Like, guys in seventh? How's this? Nine dudes in the top 12. <laughs> so how do you like me now? That was... That was something special. Also, Kruger coming back from like, you know, he basically looked like me out there or something. That <laughs> he was like 70 something in uh, 74th in Ruka in the classic race. So what what like, uh, I don't know. Do you hear any good gossip? Like what was going on there for him to just come back and kind of lay one? Down? Man, the biggest thing, the biggest, the biggest thing was like he mailed it in. You know, he's just having a horrendous race. Kruger has had some good classic races lately. But watch Kruger classic ski. I mean, he's like me and well, like I'm a fat and out and old, but I mean, like, uh, <laughs> he's like me when I, like back in my days, like I could have some great skate races, but I could have some real like stinkers in skate, like absolutely raunchy. And Kruger's like that in classic, like not, not as bad as 74th. Like we haven't seen him ski that bad in a while, but but, um, you know, when things aren't going well in, in classic for Kruger, it's, it just can go really, really sideways. And it did, but then you just mailed it in, man, like that last lap, like just, just go back and look at Ruka. You, you just, you just totally mailed it in and, you know, it's a workout probably comes in in like zone three or like high zone two or something. And that's that, but he had something to prove today. And like we talked about with the Americans wanting to get in the Olympics with their, with their, with their criteria that is super objective and set in stone. And everyone just waiting for Moses to carry it down from the, the heights of Park City <laughs> to explain it all to the Americans. In Norway, it's a complete opposite situation. There is no criteria. It's the coaches, it, the, the coaches and the leadership say they only have eight starts in the Olympic. They only have eight men's spots in the Olympics. Think about that. There's a lot of good Norwegians that are going to be left behind for the Olympic Games. And you better make a statement. And even though a 15K skate's not an Olympic event, if you want to get these chances, if you want to get the chances to, to score good results in Olympic events, you need to be there to do it. 
And when you're 74th, you have one more stinky weekend, you're out, dude. Like you're gonna have to take a couple weeks off, even though you are Kruger, you're Olympic champ, medalist, doesn't matter. So these guys have like these guys have a real knife to their throat. And man, did he come out like him and Hans Christer Holland? Like, I love Holland, man. Like his whole story is so awesome. I, and I have to say, like, nothing against Kruger, he's a great skier. But like Holland, man, I really cheer for him every time. His story is just so amazing. His story was like he was a junior phenom, a world junior champ back in the days when Alex was racing. Uh, he won world juniors in a, a year that Alex was third, I think. Maybe no, I think he was third in the race that Holland won. But regardless, back in they're the same age. So Holland was world junior champ. This like big big talent hits the senior ranks and just like dude, it all everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Gets super sick, overtrained, can't figure it out. Dude, the guys like in the 80s, the 90s in Scan Cups, in Norwegian Cups, like he's a bump. Like he's like, and everyone's like, this guy was world junior champion a couple years ago. And it's not just like one season that this happened. Like Kruger, like, sorry, Holland went through many years of like, not just bad, horrendously bad. And he always believed he built himself back up, joined a new ski club. Like he was skiing with Lynn which is a big club in, in Oslo. It's consequently the same club as Kruger, who's quite a bit younger than, than Holland too. And they worked well together. And man, now they're both like, look at this. I mean, one, two in the 15 K skate. I mean, that's, that's besides the point. They were one, two at world champs last year. They're, they're beasts, but it's, uh, it's really cool to see like a guy like Holland that was boss junior horrendous for like four years. Like, almost like, why are you still skiing? Like, how are you, how, where's this motivation coming from? And then to climb himself back, back to where he is world champion in Seyfeld in like one of the best 50 Ks ever. And then world champion in, in uh, Oberstdorf last year. And then second today, or sorry, second Saturday, um, was awesome. And then Nianga, I know I'm talking too much, but Nianga in third place, this guy had COVID man. He, at, he had COVID-19 at their altitude camp, their fall altitude camp. They were in Lavigno. He tested positive for COVID. And the Italians were like, now you're staying in the hotel room till you test your way out. And he was like in a hotel room doing jack shit, man, like doing nothing while his teammates are out like smashing K's in, in the Alps. And he said he didn't ever felt that bad, like barely, <laughs> barely sick, wasn't allowed out, didn't see anybody, couldn't travel with the team back home. like. He was there for like three weeks in a hotel room rotting. And this is an Olympic season. You're like, this is not good. Like, this is not good news. The guy comes back third. Oh, that is just like, what a, what a smackdown. Like, what a great race by him. So question, did the Russians miss the wax? Like, Bolshunov's back there. Like, I mean, Russians just out. Or is this like home snow? Like, what's going on there? No, you know what they did? They missed the skis. And it was actually which is weird. I don't I, like, I just told you, like, it wasn't that hard waxing. Um, I don't really know how they did it. Maybe they tried to get a little cute with the structure or something. Uh, that's the only explanation I can come with because it was fairly stable, but you have this artificial snow below, right. That is like really high humidity because it's not just artificial snow. It's artificial snow. That's been saved in a pile all summer. And then you have the lightest like champagne powder falling on top of this, like, humid block of artificial snow and 
it, it, it like I said, it felt like glue kind of some places. Like it, it, it was super fast when it was just the humid artificial stuff, even though it was minus 10 or whatever, but uh, Celsius. But then when the fresh snow fell on it, it's like, man, it, things really slowed down. And I cannot confirm that this is what happened to the Russians, but they missed, they did miss the skis. And the only, the only explanation I can think about is, is something to do with structure. And you're absolutely right. Like they were, they're, I mean, we can go on and on. You, you know how good Bolshinov is. You know how good Ustigov is. These guys are good. Chervotkin, I thought, had a solid day to be, to be fourth. He was really moving, but it was very noticeable that the Russian skis were, were just like with the naked eye. You're like, no, th these guys don't have the skis today. And, and that showed. And so, uh, so somebody, was, somebody's going to the gulag. We're going to take a little break here. This episode of the Devin Kershaw show is brought to you by the Mount Bachelor Nordic Center, www.mtbachelor.com. Uh, so my one other observation, just really quickly from this race, um, uh, uh, Michal, Michael Novak, uh, Czech dude, uh, he, second dude. straight weekend where, you know, he's t clearly like taking a step up. He's in fifth, like, you know, four seconds off the the podium um just, he's i think he's 25 so like that's i mean seems like this is a guy that's making some waves i don't know if there are any discussion about that on scene but oh, I, people are pumped i mean like this is this is great for the sport too and he had some good races the last couple of years especially like he'd get in there in some sprints and he looked pretty good in some mass starts too and you're like man is he being to be able to make this jump and like dude fifth place in a 15 K skate in Lillehammer in period one, 25 years old. This was awesome. I was actually standing in the pole, like in like one of the coaching zones during the race with, uh, Lucas Bauer, like a Czech legend. He coaches, uh, he coaches the Polish men actually now I know kind of weird, but, uh, but, um, he's coaching the Polish men. So, but like the Czech men, honestly, <laughs> like they have metal. They have like, they have a relay medal from the Olympics. That's just bonkers. But also, like, Martin Kukul, the champ, 50K, world champion in 2003. The season that uh, Lucas Bauer had in 2008, he's just like, what couldn't be stopped. So they do have a history of, like, and, I mean, on the women's side, like, Neumannova was insane. So it's kind of cool that the Czechs are coming back a little bit, especially on the men's side of things. And, and like you said, like, I was absolutely blown away by the performance by Michael Novak. I mean, it was, it was an awesome performance and uh hats off to him and it's it's just great for the sport because i mean you start going down right like you, you just start looking at the flags like we talked about i feel like i'm a broken record like you you get a distance race it's like norway 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 russia check that's sweet we got to talk about that then norway 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 magnifica i'll give him a little bit of credit he's had just the raunchiest i've used that adjective way too much he's had a rough uh go into the season he's been sick a ton he's been battling like old man injuries here and there, like just kind of like soft tissue stuff. that has been really bumming him out. Hasn't started races talking with their coaches. Like he just looks shitty. And then he comes out here 10th, man. That's something to build from. It is. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the results and I'm like, man, man, he's gotta be like so old 45. And he's like, he's one year older than me. He's 35. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I, it is funny. I was just looking at results from the super tour too. I mean, it's like, you know, we're not, you're not seeing like 40 year olds on the world cup. I feel like, like you used to, you know, it's like, it's like people are topping out at 33, 35. So it's nice to see like someone of Magnificat's vintage. I mean, he, he's, he's, is he your age? Is he a little younger? Nah, no, man. Like, no, man, I'm older than that, but who is older than me? Jean-Marc Gaillard. He's still smashing. He had a rough day. 41st. 
and he is in his 40s. He's 41, and he's still doing this thing. But in Davos next week, you know, the French always show up to play at the 15K skate in Davos. That'll be really fun. Uh, it'll be fun to see. And before we go on to the women's, it was just, uh, man, oh, man, the, the American men, they got smacked with reality, and the Canadian men also got smacked with reality. I mean, the Canadian men really struggled out there just didn't have the bodies. And if you don't have the body in a course like this with a bit slow snow in Norway, it, it's going to be exploited. And same with the men. I mean, like Gus Schumacher, I mean, Alex and I have talked at length about Gus Schumacher's race in Falun last year. We was top 10 in the 15 K skate, which is for first year senior. So impressive individual start top 10 first year senior. That, that is that's amazing. And you know, they were flying high. Like I said, I don't give a shit what your time of day was because in a pursuit, because don't care. The race is for the win. And, but regardless, Gus had the fifth fastest time in a 15 K skate last week comes here with a lot of like confidence as he should. He's a world junior champion. He's a great skater. And he got the, he got the doors blown off him and that's going to happen once in a while. And they got to just take their licks but uh, look for the American men to bounce back next weekend, of course. And then the Canadian men, I hope they can bounce back to you. It's such a great Ruka. And I mean, they were, they were nowhere. I mean, Gus and Gus and Antoine's here, Gus and Tony were, were essentially the same. I mean, Gus led the Americans in 38 and Tony was, was 42nd. I mean, they were both super disappointed. I didn't talk to Gus or anything, but I, I mean, I was working with Tony and stuff. And of course, like he's super choked after a performance like that, but you got to just lick your wounds, man, and not not use too much energy onto the next one. There's not much else you can do. Yeah. Um, well, can we talk about the women's race? Because that was awesome. Dude, can't we? What? Like, speaking of just, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was so good. And I'm loving the women's races again this year. And Teresa is a great friend of my wife. And I like Teresa so much. Like, she's a friend of mine, too. But, oh, my God. Like, Frida. Frida's the truth. And they were like within a second and a half in every split, the entire race. And people don't really understand this. Like this isn't like watching a road race and running or a cycling race where they're all together. Like they're out there doing their own thing. You know, it's an individual start race. They finish 0.3 seconds from each other and a battle Royale the whole time. And Frida's just had like, I mean, she's back to back. She now she won back to back races against Teresa in individual starts, which is just flabbergasting and doing a great job. She's great for the sport. She's fun. She's young and she's the next coming, but Rosie Brennan on the podium, 11 seconds from Frida with like Rosie Brennan is yeah, I mean, we got to get her. We got to get her on the podcast and just like talk some shit with her because, like, her reemergence and not just reemergence, like her patience and tenacity. We talked about that last podcast too. But man, oh man, what a fantastic race! Like, amazing stuff. She looked great. Like, she's looking so good. So it's not. I mean, of course she's looking good. Fuck, she was third in the world cup and individual start, she's not going to be looking bad out there, but it's, it's really cool to see her ski with such confidence and back up a fantastic sprint with a podium performance in Norway. It was just uh, is lights out. I, I gotta, I mean, I gotta imagine too, <clears throat> you know, I emailed with her a little bit after that race weekend in Ruka and, and she, you know, she'll send, she'll, she blasts emails reporters with um, 
kind of her comments uh, on the race. And she had this comment after it was the, I think it was the mass start. The, was the second race in Ruka a mass start or was that the flat? Was the, maybe it was the pursuit. That was the pursuit start. So the last, the last race of the pursuit. So, yeah. So she's in there with that big pack and like, you could see her just kind of like, it looked like she went to the front kind of too early, but then it was like the tactics just seemed off. And she made this comment about like, not having the confidence and, and and right confidence or something like that and it was like you know you could just tell that like her fitness was totally there and it's like i mean i just gotta imagine it's hard coming from alaska you're not mixing it up you know sadie's retired you don't know where your fitness is exactly and it's like you know you're like you know there's probably some level of like oh man i'm like in there with the swedes and norwegians like i don't belong here and so i don't know what to do and then and then you know at a certain point like it's got to stick that like you know, you're in this pack that's the only people in front of you is are like Yohog and Carlson. Like you're legit, and it it felt like you know my I I don't know I'm really doing some Freudian shit here, but like it it felt like last weekend you know she was kind of like getting a sense of where she stood, and it was like this weekend she just was like skiing like she knew she belonged there, and that was I mean that was cool to watch. And like you said, I mean it's not like you know I feel like we've seen races where like it was like Yohog. And then second and third place are like a minute down. This was like, oh yeah, Rosie Brennan is like 10, 12 seconds behind Carlson and Yohog, like on the podium. Like that's, uh, it's, you know, it's not just, like you said, it's not just good for like Rosie in the US. It's like, it's so nice to like be able to watch races and have them be exciting. So I, you know, I just like that race, that race was awesome, awesome to watch. I loved, I read a little bit in the, in the Norwegian press that, um like one of the norwegian coaches had a talking to with russia because like they were complaining that serena was like skiing all over yohog's poles it definitely cost her three tenths of a second <laughs> yeah that was a, that was a bit of drama there i mean like teresa was pissed like teresa i mean she's fiery but like she was pissed up there like i mean serena was hanging t- hanging close and i mean should she be stepping on people's pole tips? Like, n- of course not. But she's on the limit. Like, she's wrecked. Like, Serena's wrecked. She's not doing this on purpose. She's not trying to, like, mess up Teresa's race. But I do get it. I mean, I've been on both sides of that. I've been that wrecked person just hanging on for dear life, probably stepping on pole tips. And I've also been a guy who's been on a great day with someone all over my pole tips. So, uh, now, but that caused a little bit of <laughs> caused a little bit of a story. She actually, I feel really bad for her, though. Like, Serena... Who, who had a couple great laps with Teresa, like she felt really bad. And I mean, like the poor girl, like she's not, she's not doing that on purpose. The people are just, you're just wrecked. Like, like, especially on the girl's side, like there's, n- there's no animosity there. And she's um, not trying to uh, start a no. diplomatic incident. No, um, before no the- of I, course not. Um, I, I'm curious. I mean, you, 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 um, you know, you probably have a little bit of like uh, it, it inside the, um, you know, Kershaw Stormer Stira bubble here, but like to the extent that you are aware of Yohog's like kind of mindset, I mean, I'm curious, I imagine at some level, like, I, I mean, I can't really imagine that she's like, yeah, it's great for the sport that Carlson is like finally caught up with me and I have competition, but like, you know, is she is she really like in a tough spot after like, you know, you spend the last three years winning races by two minutes and all of a sudden the Olympic year, like you're not you're not top far and away anymore. Or is she like, you know, is she just over yeah. you know, kind of in the like training zone still like what's going on to your knowledge? No, but this is super interesting. It's super interesting you brought this up because like anyone else, I think they would be like pretty stressed out. 
And Teresa, man, is, I mean, this isn't going to come as a shock for anybody because she's just such a legend, but she's, she's, she's super fiery, but she's so good at being disciplined with her energy. And this is motivating her like you cannot believe. And she's been in this game a long time. She's been through a lot, as we all know. She doesn't have an individual Olympic gold medal. And this year is all about, and she said it herself. She said it to Kristen. She said it to me, this is it. Like, this is like, this is like, this is my, this is my shot. This is my shot at the Olympic individual gold medal. I don't know what the future will bring after this, but next Olympics, four years down the road, like this isn't, it's not something I'm really thinking about right now. And the last three, the last two and a half seasons, like, of course she's going to win like multiple individual gold medals. And now I still think she will. Um, but at least in period one, it's quite the fight, but she's not rattled, but she does. She does. She has a killer instinct, man. And it stings when she gets beat. And, um, that's what makes her great. And I think it's going to make the sport and we're all going to benefit because it's just going to make for some just fantastic racing. And Davos too is not a great course for Teresa. It's kind of flat. It's kind of weird. Um, next weekend. But, um, I don't know, man, her eyes are so set on the Olympics and this is just such a huge goal for her, especially it's, it's everything for Teresa this year. So she's not getting that worried about these races. It's, it's pissing her off a bit because she's fiery, but she is just so singly focused on the Olympics this season that they're at 1800 meters. She, you know, I, she's prepped everything for this. She trains so insanely much, but so does Frida too. Like Frida plays with fire too. Um, but it's going to, it's going to make it, it's, it's just a great narrative right now coming in towards the Olympics. I agree. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I mean, just the, you have these sort of like paths converging of, you yeah, know, totally. Yohag at the end of her career, Frida at the beginning yeah. of her career coming up and like, you know, they're getting this prelude. Um, so I think that's going to be awesome. Um, one other thing I'm, I guess, a little curious about is just like, um, we, I, I heard from someone who has wanted us to talk a little bit about like, you know, the Alaskan athletes coming in so hot and, and kind of, you see that I feel like every often. And, um, I, I'd be just curious to hear a little bit. I know we probably should move on to the relays cause you probably have, you know, kids to put to bed and I have homework to do, but, um, <laughs> they're but sleeping I, and I'm too tired for homework, but go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but I am curious about, you know, when, when you're, when you're out there, what, you know, sort of what you're hearing or gathering and then like what we can make of it from afar, like, you know, are, are all of these athletes like coming into these races at the start of the year, kind of from like the same footing where like, you know, they're all trying to be a little more like, you know, no one's, no one's really trying to peak right now. Right. But like, you know, should Americans be worried that like, Rosie's coming in too hot and and is Yohog kind of like way buried from her training load and not even close to sort of peak and what do we know about you know I don't know how do you guys how do you kind of how did you think about that and how do you think about what you're seeing this year yeah yeah I think it's really interesting so like for someone like Teresa the reason why I brought up that about the Olympics is like Teresa is such a legend like she's obviously going to the Olympics so she this isn't a thing she's not thinking about qualifying and this year more than any other year because like we said like she wasn't in Pyeongchang because of her ban. So this is a big deal for Teresa and it's all in for this. So 
I do not just think like, I know what she's done for training. I know how she trains. I know how professional she is. I know how focused she is. I know how like detail oriented she is, but I also know how good she is with managing her own energy. And I think like, this is almost like the best thing that could ever happen for Teresa because it's just gonna, (laughs) and she's not going to get rattled. Like she's not thrown off her plan whatsoever. Frida too, you know, Frida's young. Like, like you said, it's just, that's what's so fun about this. It's like Frida is just like Teresa Yohug reincarnate. Like they look the same, except, except Frida Carlson's like a foot taller, but like, you know, skinny, smiley, blonde, and just like a, like killer, like a total killer on the ski course. I mean, um, but she's also in that boat too. Ebba too, like Ebba Anderson, her teammate, like there's just a few names that like, they don't really have to worry about qualifying for the Olympic Jesse too. I mean, of course, God, she won the overall world cup last year. Rosie as well had a great season. She doesn't really have to worry about qualifying for the Olympics either. But what I will say, and it is interesting is you have, you have some athletes and I'm not really totally sure why, but like Rosie Brennan traditionally has been one of these. We're like, kind of like a Christmas star for whatever reason, before Christmas, she's setting the world on fire. And then kind of fizzles after Christmas a little bit. But I felt like last season she kind of got, she really figured that out. So, yes, am I hearing that a bit here too? It's like, oh, well, Rosie, you know, we're used to her now, like skiing fast before Christmas. And like, did you see what happened last season? Because she put together like a great season, like a complete season. And from what I'm seeing and how she's moving, like I'm not as scared. But a few years ago, oh yeah, like four years ago, Rosie Brennan, if she was like sixth or something, or eighth in Ruka or like a, like a year that's like, well, I mean, come February, she's going to be 40th. I mean, like she can't hold this, but she's figured it out and I hope she takes the confidence, but on the Norwegian team and the Russian team, the guys just below like the legend status, like Klebo doesn't have to worry about it. Valness doesn't have to worry about it in the sprints. Um, but I mean, all the distance gears, like every name is, is up for grabs and these guys are in wicked shape right now. And they've come into the season knowing that like you need to pay to play. You got to perform or you're staying home. And the Russian and the Norwegian troop, especially it's a really cutthroat, really competitive. The scariest thing to me is that like every year this happens yet, you know, especially the Norwegians, like they have this like immense pressure cooker, even for the Krugers or the, the Holands of the world shoot off huge pressure cookers and yet they come to the championship and they deliver i don't know how they do it i i think they're just that that just shows how well trained they are and how tough mentally they are like prepared i shouldn't say tough because it's just such bullshit to say like oh you're just tough mentally you're prepared mentally you're ready and you can deal with that kind of pressure and it's an environment that you've you've kind of got comfortable competing in so and speaking of which before we move on to the relay i have to give a shout out to fossa's home we talked about her, remember, that like she had like she did not just have a horrible late summer and fall like she hit the wall, dude. Like she her intensity sessions hearing from Teresa, like Foss's home was garbage. She was wrecked. She she flew too close to the sun and got burnt. And man, what she did in Golo, like, I mean, it's just Norwegian Cup. We talked about that a bit last week and now fourth place skiing so well and the fire if you want to see like what fire looks like check out Foss's home like she's all she's all fire like and I mean like she's just driven as hell and fourth place for the first year senior pretty fun and good to see her back good to see her back in the mix and again 
before we move on to, I got to say, Diggins had an off day. And when you're one of the best skiers in the world, you are 100% allowed an off day here and there. I know I'll get some flack for saying this because Rosie was third. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's because of this, but I question whether Diggins had the best skis going that day either from what I saw, but it wasn't talked about. I talked to some Americans out there. It, it's like, I heard nothing open that Diggins was complaining about her skis. She didn't tell me that just from what I witnessed out on course. I don't think Diggins had the skis to compete in the 10 K. I said it. She's, she's probably too pro. I think she's probably too pro at this point to complain openly about her skis. Um, so who knows? Um, yeah. my, my other observation, just two or maybe just one really quick observation. Um, uh, also psyched. I mean, I, I feel like Foss's home. I mean, she's 20. So she's going to be fun to watch for a while. I'm going to just throw a bomb out there that, you know, I don't really have much of like a overseeing boss in this job at faster skier. So I can kind of just, it's great. I don't really have to worry about, you know, I could never do this in Alaska politics or government or the environment. Um, this um, in front TV production of these individual start races, um, there were just a couple times like you had Yohog coming in um, behind Frieda Carlson where, you know, this epic duel, you knew they were within one second. You know, they they have the cut with Yohog coming to the finish with the split time for like, you know, they, they get to her with a minute and a half. And it's like, this is the this is the fucking drama, man. Like, this is what people are paying their $75 to this like new um, you, uh, ski and snowboard live deal that their fist is like trying to push out there. And what do they do? Um, they, they play for 30 seconds and then they cut away to Heidi Wang, you know, like for, for fin her like fourth place finish. And then they go back to Yohog and you're just sitting there like, what, like, who do they have in the truck being like, yeah, let's cut away from Yohog here. Cause you know, clearly this is more dramatic, um, happened a couple times. They're also having a huge problem. Um, they debuted this new service called, um, Ski and Snowboard Live, they're charging 75 bucks. I have a huge sample size of two people that are complaining, like really not working well. Like one of them is talking to me how they have this, like, so they so they actually emailed me before Ruka, like three days before Ruka. And they were like, we're doing the, we're setting up a broadcasting. Uh, do you want to be the broadcaster? We'll pay you 250 bucks. Uh, it's four hours. Uh, and I was like, May maybe. And then I was like, oh yeah, what time is that? They're like, yeah, it's uh, midnight to 4 a.m. Alaska time. I was like, thanks. Um, but they ended up, in, and I think they have some, it sounds like they have Peter Graves, longtime announcer, sort of lined up for this. I'm sorry, I'm really going off here. But um, but they got Peter Graves for the most part. They ended up having some substitutes, I guess. And they brought um, my buddy Lex Trinan in last weekend, who by all accounts did a great job. But they apparently have some other guy on there like who was calling like Carlson Yohog and vice versa and just making these like, completely inane comments and then you know i have another buddy who like the the interface doesn't work on your phone it doesn't work on your tablet maybe it works on your computer but i'm sorry you know and they're charging 75 bucks i'm like fists we're trying to like keep this sport alive here you know like like climate change is happening the the greenland is melting like if we want to have like a legit sport like let's freaking televise this and promote it like we we mean it you know and it's like 100%. it's infuriating so i'm i'll get off my soapbox i'm sorry 
No, no, no. Get on your soapbox because this is the problem that keeps happening with Fisk over and over and over again. You'll watch an event at like Holman Colon with like cable cams everywhere. Like NRK's produced it. They like they're they're they got like directors that know exactly what's happening with skiing. It's not like and it's just like okay, like this is well produced. This is interesting. I mean, I'm a mega dork, so I think it's interesting. But it looks good. It looks cool. You're seeing the whole city. Like, there's cutaways. It's there. You've got cable cams, like I said, and they're following the athletes. You can actually see how fast people are moving. And then next thing you know, you're in Davos, and like, it's like there's some old Swiss dude filming it on like a Nokia like phone, and you're like stationary through the world's worst course, and you're like, what the hell am I watching here? Like, this is your product. Get some continuity with your product. And then you're trying to get into the digital age because like Bathlon actually has quite a good product with this. Really good. With on-demand, there's continuity. IBU owns the rights to everything and they produce it. And it's, I know there's been some hiccups there. People that follow Bathlon could understand that like their, their platforms, their, their streaming platforms have also had some hiccups, but they're getting better and better every year. And then Fist like so late to the party again. And then, even that story you just told me is just such a classic example. Like <laughs> 250 bucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to compete with F1 and tennis and like, and like asking people three days before to get up at midnight to like do like what in God's name are you, do you think this is good enough? And the fact that the technology doesn't work doesn't surprise me because even their fist live timing has been a like, disaster till really a couple years ago like even on the world cup like not that long ago like seven eight years ago world cup live timing would be some lags happening and then like god that's not to mention like trying to get live timing results for a scan cup or a super tour or this is like not long ago come we put people on the moon in the 60s like on the fucking moon they're walking on the moon in the 1960s and we can't get cross-country skiing shown to people that want to watch it and deliver a product where announcers know what they're doing. They're paid well enough and the producers have done their homework. So they've asked people that actually are exciting and interesting to hear and know what the sport's about to, to deliver that to the fans and try and build it. And that's not to mention, like you said, like the director cuts and like cutting away from stuff. I mean, like that's just completely inexcusable, but leave it to fist. If there's, any chance for fist to fuck shit up they'll do it so we That's need I, they will the, the solution here is we need elon musk who you know yeah. he can do space yeah. he can do fist tv production yeah yeah he's open Apple call out and something you know yeah. i'm sure he's listening so yeah. okay so moving on we got one more race to go through we, i think we yeah. can be quick with these the relays where do you yeah. want to start yeah i'm gonna start with the men you and i were texting before this because like i got this thing with world cup relays like usually i don't care um Here's why. Hear me out, people. Uh, again, the women's relay, I care more than the men's. But in the men's, I just feel like, you know, what teams can put together, like, good enough teams to make an exciting race. One good positive with this course being fairly easy, I thought that I actually thought the men's relay was exciting. So I have to eat my words. I loved it. It was it was close. A lot of action. You had some you had some great skiing by Bolshinov and, and Niskanen in the second leg, breaking away from, from Everson. Everson's had a tough start to the season here. And there was just a lot of stuff happening back and forth. And in the end, 
I thought like coming into the last, the last lap, you had like Russia one, Russia two, Norway one, Norway two, super predictable. I know, but it's not like those other teams were like three minutes down either. So there was some drama the whole way around. Uh, at the end of the day, what can you say? Klebo can't be beat. Ustigov looked good. Um, and I put up a good fight and, you know, was trying to, you know, played it, played it like you played it like you need to play it. If you're going to try and win, you know, you have to start, like you have to take up a lot of space and Ustigov was doing that and he did everything he could, but Johannes was just too good and, and nipped them at the line. But Ustigov looked good, man. Ustigov looked good in that run up. And, but one thing I want to know, <laughs> and maybe someone can just explain this one to me. Um, why isn't Bolshinov and Ustigov on the same relay team? Like, can somebody please explain this to me? Like, Ustigov is obviously in good shape this year. Bolshinov is the best skier in the world. If you want to beat Norway in it, this stuff, like, maybe you should put them on the team together. I don't know. That's just my opinion. It's like uh, it's like it's like rowing crew. You know how they like you know they they don't if you're doing doubles like they don't really know who's faster and they you know they like mix and match people. So maybe maybe Valbe has like yeah. some kind of crazy. Uh, formula i was also reading like it sounded like there was all kinds of like weirdness in that in that um Klybo and ustigov leg with like the two russian dudes like speaking in russian and yelling at the norwegians so i you know i would have loved to have had those guys mic'd up i'm sure that would have been uh interesting to hear but yeah i mean and i, I just like to emphasize i mean Klybo was not that far ahead of um of ustigov oh. and like i just uh you know i feel like that's gonna be the, that will be a fun race to sort of set up for in the olympics i mean I don't, that's probably the only real relay we're gonna have before the olympics and uh, you know yeah. I, I would just add i mean again it's like the relay i feel like it, it that that event has potential in it like it it can be fun to watch and it's just it's so weird you know when, when we have these events that are like olympic medal events and they happen just like one time you know i don't know if they're you know maybe, exactly. maybe it should be a mixed relay or something but like it'd be fun to have that as a more regular um event well especially if you're going to put it on a course like this and this was just happenstance like if it was on the actual little hummer course it would have been blown out to hell but like on this easier course i mean like it made for a lot of it made for i mean the top four in the men's was super exciting it was all super close but then that next group was super exciting too like those that actually like are super fans of the sport like fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth like that group was tight man and you have like big teams like sweden italy you have germany you have i mean like Switzerland didn't come to the table with their best team with Dario Colonia sitting this one out. Um, but, and Luke Jaeger had a great first leg. So I hope he takes a lot of confidence from that. He skied real great in his first leg. Benny was in tough and he, you know, that's how you learn. You learn through experience when you, you're getting handed off close to those big boys. And then you see a guy like Niskin and come through you and like torch you. That's how you learn. So super exciting young American team, ninth place. They're only a minute down, like uh, super good. And the, and the Canadian men after like a tough weekend, they, they had a, they had a tough weekend today. And I have to say Tony Sears skied a great second leg, especially his last lap of classic and Olivier, like he skied great, man. He's a first year senior too. And he put together like a really solid skate leg and rich too. big rich Graham Ritchie had the high hopes for this weekend and it all just blew up in smoke and it just was not going well. And he made it almost there. You know, he lost those 10 seconds in the last K and a half when his legs just turned to lead. 
but it's still a step in the right direction after two really disappointing days for him. So I think it was pretty exciting. I thought the men's race was way more exciting than I, than I would have given it credit for. So that was, uh, that was fun. And then the women's race, we can just like cover this super fast. We'll just jump right into it. I mean, I thought, and this might get me some like American hate mail and stuff. And like, especially my wife's friend and friends and my wife, but like, I thought it was kind of cool that Russia won that relay, man. I did. And Stepanova, the world junior champ, lot of talk, lot of hype coming out of Russia about how good she is, how pro she is, how much she wants it. And she's had some good races already this year, but she's kind of like been kind of like, there's such big names in Russian skiing too, like Sorina and Nepreyeva, especially you know, and Stupak, of course, but especially this year and every year, or last year and this year, sorry, Sorina and Nepreyeva are like, they're the big stars and they anchor with a 20 year old first year senior. And not only does she deliver, she delivers Russia's first relay win in so long. And yeah, when they were dominating in the nineties, they were juiced to the max. Um, and I mean, all getting popped for doping, but this is a new generation. And I thought it was actually pretty cool. I thought it was a pretty cool relay, man. And the fact that Russia won like that, again, it just, it helps the narrative of skiing. And Sweden, Moa Olsen, they take a flyer with Moa Olsen in as the anchor in that relay. And there was a lot of talk. It's like, whoa, you're really going to do this? Like, this is the first relay since before 2006 that Charlotte Kala was not on Sweden one you know, and they have a lot of other good girls. I mean, they could have gone with a lot of other good girls, but they, you know, just like the Russians, their anchor leg, they took a bit of a risk. It pays off, man. She skied great. She skied with confidence. She beat Norway and Russia and Sweden go one, two with Norway in third and Foss's home made some tactical errors. Honestly, I think, I think she burned too much energy, uh, too early. And, uh, but that, that's going to happen when you're first year senior, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta try that kind of stuff and we shouldn't cut her. You gotta cut her some slack. She skied great. What can you say? It was a great leg. She made some tactical errors and she just didn't have it in the last 200 meters. I, I well, first of all, you gotta make those mistakes when you're that young to be able to like not make those mistakes yeah. when you're not that young and not make those mistakes six or three months later in, in Beijing. Um, I <clears throat> just would sort of reemphasize. I mean, that was a great race to watch, you know, like, and, and yeah. I feel like we, there are lots of times where like we don't get that and it's like you know you saw fossil so i'm like you know going to the front and like taking it up that last big hill hard and you're like okay maybe norway's gonna ski away with this and then you're like wow this is actually gonna be interesting it's tight and then you're just like stepanova she just like kind of dropped the hammer you know coming from like what seemed like kind of no man's land having almost like you know, lost out on that last hill. So I like, it just, I mean, it was great. It was like, it was surprising. It was like all young, young skiers, like young faces, new faces. So um, yeah, super, super fun to watch. And uh, you know, us kind of bringing it, bringing oh. it back to fourth place. Like that, there was some solid skiing there for sure. Oh man. Yeah. Especially, I mean, like, you know, Haley actually broke a basket in her leg. So the whole plastic part of the basket ripped off and everyone was shouting at us like, Haley, grab a new pole. And she's like, no, because she still had the tip. So she was still skiing with it. And she, you know what? I get it. I mean, like it's the first leg. So you're like, you're, you're in the zone. You start thinking about getting a quick strap and then changing to another strap. And you're just kind of like focused. 
But I mean, it cost her. It did. It really did. The fact that she broke her basket so early in that race and then skied like the entire 5K with no basket. That hurt her. It did. And uh, and Rosie skied great. Diggins had a fantastic leg. And Julia Kern, man, Julia Kern had the leg of that American team. I mean, of course, like Rosie Brennan and Jesse skied fantastically and we expect them to, but like Julia Kern really surprised me. I, that was a, that was some great skiing. That was the best I've seen her ski in a long time, technically uh, in distance. And uh, she held her own and she skied with a lot of confidence and it's been really fun. I think, you know, Julia is uh, someone to watch, like we've said already this year. And it, this was a, this was a great performance. And again, Canada. I mean, what can you say? We, we, <laughs> The Canadian women, uh, they really struggled this weekend and, you know, they're just going to have to go back to their coaches and try and shake this one off and not, not waste too much energy getting down. And hopefully just like in Scrabble, you know, sometimes you just got to take all those letters, let out a primal roar into a pillow or something, or maybe just into your own head. Like I, all these letters suck. You know what I mean? Like I need new letters and you dump those letters into the bag, you shake it up and you pick seven new ones. And that's what the Canadian women have to do after this weekend. There's just no positives for the weekend for the Canadians. And it ended with just like a phenomenally horrendous relay and they got to just move on. There's nothing else you can do. So um, I don't have any more observations about the relay. I I did want to give a shout out to um, the Estonian media. I don't know if you saw that uh, email come across, but uh, they they really um, we got an email from uh, Chris Freeman who we definitely will have to <clears throat> have on here at some point. Chris Freeman, retired American, uh, legit cross country skier who should have had a world championship medal if not for uh, doping Andrew Sverpalu. And uh, we we Devin made some comments about uh, one of Sverpalu's sons who's still racing, and they uh, they got picked up. Like Devin calling like Sverpalu like a shithead or something. Uh, now is in like two different um, Estoni- oh, no. Estonian media outlets. So. Um, Oh no, that, that was not my meaning, but I'm, but I will stand by my statements. If you cheated, that's one thing. If you dope your own son, if you're involved with doping your own son, maybe I, maybe I was flying a little too off the cuff and I'll, how about I just say that with a rhetorical question? You can judge as you wish. Um, but yeah, that, that's not the, that's not the, like, um, Maybe that's not like the focus we want on this podcast, but it's the focus we get. <laughs> I, we, we, if we're not making Estonian tablets, I feel like we're doing it wrong. Um, yeah, I, I will yeah, ask exactly. one more question. Um, I mean, you're you're I assume in the Canadian, you know, wax trailer. You're out there on the trails testing skis. Like, oh yeah, give us like top three pieces of like World Cup gossip that you you picked up, or maybe just top one. But I mean, there's got to be some good stuff we're missing out here. Oh, man, a lot of the a lot of the top gossip is just absolutely no question, not not safe sport approved. So I'm not I'm gonna leave that there. <laughs> not not even you know, oh. uh, is there like, you know, I mean, the Vody wax factory burns down. I mean, nothing. Yeah, on, the like, Vody wax factory burning down. That was that was uh, like, I mean, w- uh, kind of interesting that happened as they're transitioning from fluoro, just saying, just saying, I'm just kidding. We know nothing about that, but like, that was, uh, that was shocking. I mean, the biggest, you know what, here's the biggest gossip. If not gossip, but the reality, if people want to know what's going on in the world cup racing, usually, so usually with wax, with skis, poles, boots, bindings, if you're a world cup skier, especially world cup skier, that's ranked in the top 15, getting new stuff or getting stuff adjusted or, or custom stuff or, or like just 
sending skis back, getting 10 new pairs, asking for new boots that you want that are like half a size bigger or whatever. This is no problem. This is like absolutely no big deal ever. Those that listen to like NPR's Planet Money or like the indicator or something from the US that have been following like the supply chain disaster that is the world right now, it's hit cross-country skiing as well. And it's hitting hard. Like our guys in in Canada, the Canadian team, like it, it's it's not nearly as easy to get the waxes we want and the products we want. Uh, it's taking more time. We're not getting as much of it as we want. That's a challenge. Equipment, it's just not a free-for-all with, with ski, even skis. Like I was actually a bit surprised. I thought like skis would be like no big deal, like kind of going as normal. Like the World Cup race service skis would just be like, they still have tons of skis and producing them all the time back and forth. But no, man, the supply chain is actually affecting the skis too. The guys, like I was talking with Solomon quite a bit and uh, Fisher, like they just like, they don't have, they don't have the, the material like they normally do. And it's, it's because of the supply chain, especially boots actually. So these kind of things aren't like having huge effects for, for, for racers, but it is something different. It's kind of like, you don't expect as a top level racer to get a pair of boots. And if they don't fit that well, it's usually like, yeah, well, you just give them back and you get a new pair, no big deal. And, and that, that's not what's happening this year. So it's uh, it's creating a challenge and maybe for the athletes themselves, they're not, they're not feeling that, but for the technical teams, the big technical teams in Canada is not a big technical team. They're a smaller one, but it's been, it's been more difficult to, to track down, to track down stuff. And then with the Olympics being in Beijing too, that adds a whole nother layer with the supply chain situation. So, so it's actually creating a lot of stress for these, for these technicians and also like the equipment, the equipment managers for all these teams. Cause like Canada, not that many athletes, the U S a lot more athletes now, but think of these bigger teams like Sweden, Norway, Russia, uh, you know, equipment managers that are trying to like keep these relationships going and get the athletes what they need and that sort of stuff. Like it's just not happening. It, it, it is happening, but it's, there's a lot more friction. Like it's friction that I've never seen before. I mean, I was in the world cup for 16 years. I've never seen, I've never seen uh, equipment being like so thin and they're not, it's not like they're just like trying to like, like tighten their belts here. It's just, they don't have it. They don't have this stuff. Doesn't, doesn't bode well for me getting my like, you know, friend of, friend of faster skier uh, podcast host like uh, my four pairs of uh, skate boots but uh no no exactly you might have to get like the jabas or whatever those like check boots were maybe they maybe their supply chain's okay or ski trap too maybe you can get a couple pairs of ski trap or something but but if you want fisher solomon matches whatever this kind of stuff like uh that Rosy, like the, I've never seen it like that. And waxing, like, I mean, now the, the Fauci wax factory burnt to the ground. So like, that's going to throw a, uh, yeah, your Tivatar that you're going to put on your classic skis is going to be tough to track that down. I think it's his only Vauti that makes that probably start probably makes it to a lot of Finnish companies. It's an oppor- op- opportunity for some enterprising, uh, you know, young, young wax making company. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, well, uh, I guess we'll talk next week after uh, yeah. Davos. For Davos, look forward to it, man. Last year, just to remind the folks at home, Rosie, back-to-back World Cup wins in Davos. She, so she got those like two sl- I think she got they give you like a sled yeah. and maybe like yeah, a, exactly. a, a gruyere cheese that's like the size oh, of yeah. like your exactly. house or something so, so the techs yeah. the techs are pumped no but it's going to be fun it's going to be really important as we sign off here next weekend Davos is kind of fake altitude but it is altitude it's 1500 meters above sea level this year on the world cup calendar prior to the olympics not a lot of altitude races these races are, even though it's a 15k skate and like not really super relevant for the Olympics, because it's not an Olympic race this year. It's 15k classic at the Olympics. Not many chances to test athletes at altitude. And 
on on that note, as we sign off, Ingveld Flugstad Osberg 14th this time in the 10K skate, up from like out of the points last weekend. And she is awesome at altitude next week. So is this the is this the first race we're gonna see of Ingveld Flugstad Osberg to be back fighting in the top six, top eight next weekend? We'll see. It's gonna be fun. There's a lot of fun stuff going on in skiing now, which is fun. <laughs>